Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast A Day in the Word conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website to get more details and register now. Do you feel called to lead? Then you should attend our How to Lead a Precept Upon Precept workshop at our Precept Ministries Training Center in Brantford, Ontario on December 5th through 7th. Head to our website to register now. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here from Unlocking Truth podcast, a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada. Thank you for tuning in with us in the podcast as we work through the book of Hebrews. Uh, Lord willing, as I've been planning this out, I was originally thinking that we'd be close to 11 weeks, but it quite possibly could be 12 weeks for the very fact that we did the overview when the last time that we were together. You remember that uh, as a part of the overview of the book of Hebrews, this is written to Jewish people, Jewish people who are going through persecution and suffering, and some of them are shrinking back, some of them are becoming sluggish, some of them are becoming dull of hearing, and therefore uh, the author wants to write this letter of exhortation. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 22 gives us the very reason for why he's written this as an encouragement to continue on and persevere until the end. And so uh, thank you for the uh, great feedback that came out of part uh, one or lesson one or episode one of this podcast. And I pray that uh, this would continue to be used uh, for the glory of God and that you'd be encouraged by what you are learning. I'm looking forward to this week and what we're going to learn. Uh, on the topic of angels. We're going to strictly stay within chapter 1, and so let's give our time to the Lord, and then we will continue on. Father, we do thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the opportunity that you give each and every one of us to be able to dig into your word and discover the truth of God's word for ourselves, Lord. Father, we thank you for the inductive Bible study method a method of Bible study that allows us to interrogate the text and ask questions of the text that you would teach us from the text. Father, I thank you for the technology that's being used to record this podcast today and to reach uh, Canadians and people outside of Canada uh, with your truth. So, Father, we thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it's very interesting, and I was kind of figuring, how would I open up this podcast on the topic of angels and the topic of Jesus? And I began to think of some of the ways that Hollywood has portrayed the angels. And so let me just reminisce here for a few moments on how angels are portrayed in uh, Hollywood. First and foremost, you have a movie created by Disney. And uh, when I was 
younger, not that much younger, probably, uh, who knows how old I was really, but uh, the movie was called Angels in the Outfield, and the angels would come alongside the California Angels baseball team at that time, and they would help this poor team that was unable to play good baseball. Baseball, They were not skilled in any way, and these angels would be over each player, and every time something happened on the field, these angels would either lift the player up to catch the baseball or help the help the player to hit or, or whatever the case was. But the end result of the Angels, what they did was they helped this team become a successful baseball team and uh, not be so unskilled in the team baseball. So you had this view of, oh, these Angels are by my side. They're helping me. They're lifting me. They're uh, pushing me along to, to be better. Then I thought of another a television show that was released a number of years ago, Touched by an Angel. And so you had this angel who uh, would go around and would be doing miracles and helping uh, families and in different situations. This angel would be involved every week within the story. Remember Roma Downey and uh, uh, that group of folks? And so You've got all these different views. Uh, even the Looney Tunes cartoon uh, with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, they would have uh, angels on the shoulders of these cartoons. These angels would be uh, your good conscience and your bad conscience. And you'd have a white angel and you'd have a red angel, of course, the red angel uh, you know, resembling the devil, and they would be speaking into the ears of this cartoon character the right things to do and the bad things to do. And so we have all these different views of uh, angels, what's their role, and, and those, you know, views that have come from Hollywood are outside of the scriptural view. I, when I was a, a young um, teenager, I read uh, the book, um, Angels, and I can't remember the full title at the time, but Billy Graham wrote a uh, book on angels. And I, I wanted to share this quote with you before we dig into Hebrews 1 of what he uh, came right out of his book. He said, Angels are God's messengers whose chief business is to carry out his orders in the world. He's given them an ambassadorial charge. He has designated and empowered them as holy deputies to perform works of righteousness. In this way, they assist him, God, as their creator, while God sovereignly controls the universe. So he has given them the capacity to bring holy enterprises to a successful conclusion. And so uh, we're going to take a closer look at this today as we um, discuss angels, but also discuss uh, Jesus. And so I want to break down uh, the passage in chapter 1 into two huge segments. The first segment is going to be uh, verses 1 to 4. And we're going to title that segment as Jesus is better than the angels. And after that comes the second segment, which is verses 5 to 14, 
in which we're going to title that, that Jesus is a better messenger. So first, he's better than the angels, and then you come next is he's a better messenger in verses 5 to 14. So first, we'll look at the first four verses of the text of Hebrews chapter 1. And what it says here, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory. He's the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by his word of his power. When he made purifications uh, of his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become a much having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than he. So what we see here is in these last days that he's spoken to us in his son. So now this is the last message from God. We talked about that in the previous podcast. That's why the author saying pay close attention because he's now spoken through Jesus. So pay close attention to him. Now, here's the list that we have on Jesus. First, we learn that he is his son. We see that in verse 2, that he's spoken through his son. We also see that he's appointed Jesus to be heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Colossians tells us that in him and through him all things were created, that Jesus was a part of creation. He was there when the world was spoken into existence. He's the ruler of all things. He's the heir of all things. Now, if you look at verse 3, what he says in verse 3, Jesus is the radiance of his glory, and he's the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. So what we want to look at this is why is he better than the angels? Well, you see, he is the exact representation. Now, I've heard this explained before, that it's sort of like the idea of looking into a mirror. That when Jesus looked into the mirror, you know, he would reflect back God. That's really not a great explanation of what the radiance of his glory is. And I'd like to give you uh, a better idea of what the radiance of his glory is. So what one scholar says is he says that the radiance is the only referred here in the New Testament. It expresses the concept of sending forth light or shining. Uh, the meaning of reflection, you know, is not properly used here because it's not reflecting God's glory, but that the sun is God's glory. He is God, and he radiates his own glory. So it makes a much different understanding here is that he is his son, but he's the exact representation. He is God radiating his glory for all to see. One of the ways to explain this is think about um, cattle herding and uh, branding. So the exact representation or the exact imprint of his nature. 
You know, when you have a cow and you take that branding iron and you put it in the fire and then you put it on the cow, they that exact imprint is engraved or imprinted onto that cow. And that's what this is with God. He is the exact uh, image of God. So he's the perfect imprint and he represents everything in God's nature and his essence and his time and his space. He is God and he is on earth. And so this is really important fact that one thing that he is much different than the angels is that he is God. He has a better name than the angels. So what we've got here is we want to look at one important thing is that as we think about angels, there are a number of scriptures in the Old Testament that refer to the angels as the sons of God. Job chapter 1 uh, shows us where the sons of God come before God and report what they've been doing on earth. But no one takes the title of son of God except for Jesus. The angels clump together referred to as the sons of God. But Jesus takes on the title of Son of God. And so you've got that in verse 5, for example. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my Son, today I have begotten you? Not one of the angels did he ever speak to and say, This here, uh, you are my Son. So knowing that Jesus is the exact representation, he is the exact imprint of God, the author goes on to say, having become a much better uh, than the angels as he inherited a more excellent name than he. So the very first thing we have to ask ourselves is, why does the author start with this? Why does he want to point out the very fact that Jesus is better than the angels? Well, there were some Jewish believers uh, namely a sect of Jewish people that were around Qumran. Qumran is an interesting place because that's where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. But around Qumran, uh, the Jewish believers had a belief that angels held a higher authority than the Messiah. And if they held angels in higher authority than the Messiah, especially the archangel Michael, then this would be the foundation of their belief and that if the letter was written to Jewish people and it was coming to them to have, you know, pay close attention to what Jesus is saying, they have to know that Jesus is higher in authority than all of the angels. It would be a total change in the way that they have their understanding of the authority structure under God. And so they had to wrap their minds around that as once God spoke through the prophets, that God also spoke through the angels as his messengers. We see in the Old Testament that angels, that God used angels to bring messages uh, to the people. In Job chapter 1, again, we've seen how angels were about working and doing their their ministry on the earth. It's very interesting to know that Gabriel an angel brought the prophecy to both Mary and Elizabeth regarding Jesus and John. So they played a very prominent role in the history of Israel. Galatians chapter 
3 verse 19 also tells us that the angels played a role in the ministry of bringing the law or the Ten Commandments. And so let me read this for you. Why the law then? It was added because of the transgressions, having been ordained through the angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to the promise had been made. Acts chapter 7 also tells us that the angels had a role in the law. Acts 7 verse 53 it says that you received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Sinai. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from their midst of tens of thousands of holy ones. At his right hand there was flashing lightning for them. These holy ones referred to as angels. We don't know the exact role that the angels played in bringing the law, but we know that they played a part in bringing the law. And so these angels would have been in held in high authority amongst the Jewish people. And so now the author of Hebrews has got to bring their attention to the very fact that Jesus is now the messenger. He's now the one who's bringing the messages from God. Although God used prophets and angels in the past, he's now using his son, Jesus. It says in chapter 2, verse 2, For if the words spoken through the angels proved unalterable, every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. So we know that the angels brought forth uh, the word. So to reiterate what we saw in Galatians 3.19, Acts chapter 7, verse 53, and Deuteronomy 33, verse 2, we can jump over to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. For if the words spoken through the angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. This is a direct reference in Hebrews to the very fact that the angels played a part in bringing the law to the people of Israel. And so this prominent role that the angels would play, we'd have to totally change the thinking of these people to pay closer attention to the words of Jesus. Why do we need to pay closer attention to the words of Jesus? Well, here it is. One, he has a better name. He is the Son of God. He's the one you need to pay attention to. Although the angels referred to as sons of God, they are not the son of God. The angels were never invited to sit at the right hand of God. The angels were never told they were his only begotten son. That none of the angels were in a position of authority that Jesus has. And because Jesus has a higher authority, a better name, a better position, pay close attention to him. And now he goes on to tell us why he is a better messenger. And so we want to go verse by verse through the text, and you'll look at all these comparisons of the angels to Jesus. And so first one is comes in chapter 1, verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be my son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. So the first thing we look at is, okay, let's look at position here. If the angels were in higher authority to Jesus, why would the angels, when Jesus comes into the world, why would they worship him? 
when I think about Revelation chapter 5. I think of all of these people, all of these saints, all of these people that are worshiping God. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God, and yours the blood of men, every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and a priests of our God. They will reign upon the earth forevermore. It says the myriads and thousands of thousands were saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You might say to me, Mark, how is that possible? Those are the saints. Those are the people that are in heaven that are praising. And then you look further down and he says in verse 13, Every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Every created thing that would include angels are worshiping and praising Jesus. Why? Because he is the son of God. He is the one who is the begotten one. He's the one who has the privilege of sitting at the right hand of God in which no angel was ever invited to do. Therefore, Jesus is held in higher authority than the angels. This is what he's telling them. Pay close attention to this, folks. He is higher than the angels. Those angels will bow and worship Jesus. Now look at verse 6. In verse 6, he says, And when he brings the firstborn into the world, and he says, Let all the angels worship him. Verse 7, and it says of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? The angels are servants of God. They don't hold the same authority as Jesus. Jesus holds a different role than that of the servants. That's why this quote in Billy, from Billy Graham in his book, Angels, can be so powerful. Angels are God's messengers whose chief business is to carry out his orders in the world. He's given them an ambassadorial charge. He has designated and empowered them as holy deputies to perform works of righteousness. In this way, they assist him as their creators while he sovereignly controls the universe. So he has given them the capacity to bring holy enterprise to a successful conclusion. They're his messengers. If you look at verse 8, there's the word but that it starts out. But in scripture always indicates a contrast. What's the difference between the angels and Jesus? Verse 8 says, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, you, God, has an, your God has anointed you with oil of gladness above your companions. The angels are servants. Jesus is ruler. We know that he is one day going to set up his kingdom here on earth and he is going to reign. But what we do know right now is he is at the right hand of God. He's the only one that's been invited to sit there. But one day he will return to earth and he will set up that earthly kingdom and he will rule. He will rule with justice and righteousness. He hates lawlessness. So we know that he'll come back and he'll judge. This also indicates that he is sovereign over all. The characters that we're seeing of Jesus here are much different than those of the angels. Verse 9, you loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, 
your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. What the author is saying here is, he is God. Unlike the angels who never had the privilege of being called the Son of God, this is the deity of God in verse 9, that he is God. Look at verses 10 to 12. And the Lord in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens and the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will become old like a garment, like a mantle will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Angels were created beings. They were created by God. But Christ is eternal. He's been there since the very beginning. There's so many differences that we see between the two of them. It's so easy to just uh, list them out and get a good understanding of, of what they are. They're messengers. They're ministers. They're spiritually created beings. They, they don't marry. They don't die. They're, they're sons of God. We also know that if we were to study through the entire scriptures, we'd know that there are good angels and that there are bad angels. We know that there are a third of the angels in Revelation. They fall. That We know that Satan is a fallen angel. Uh, we know that some of those angels are in bonds and chains and they disguise themselves. We can take a thorough study through the book of Revelation to see all of these differences that we have in these angels. When we look at these angels that are good angels and we look at those that are bad angels throughout the scriptures, we go back to the book of Hebrews and look at verse 10. He says, In you, Lord Jesus, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. And they will become old like a garment, and like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same. Your years will not come to the end. Jesus will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Angels are created beings. They, we've seen that some of them end up falling. Some of them are bad, but Jesus will never change. This is why he is a better messenger. And this is the why he is the one we can look to and pay closer attention to. In verse 13, he says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? We have right here in this passage a direct quote from Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. And let me read Psalm 10, verse 1 for you. It says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at my feet. If you continue to read through Psalm 10, 110, and you get down to Psalm 10, 1 ver, uh, verse 4, you'll see the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, Jesus, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He's directly aligning to this role of priest that Jesus is a priest. And that's where the author of Hebrews is going to take us to later, that he is, uh, Jesus is the better high priest. And so we have here that in the book of Hebrews, even in chapter 1, we have the author pointing to three different offices of Jesus. First, we have in verse 1 that he's pointing to Jesus as being a prophet. 
God, after long ago, spoke to the fathers and the prophets in many portions in many ways, and these last days has spoken to us in his Son, that now Jesus is going to bring the message of God to this to his people. And so we know that that's what he's saying. Pay close attention. I'm now speaking through my son. We also see two references to where he is a priest. If we were to go through the cross references in Psalm 110 and go to Psalm 110 verse 4, we know that Jesus became the priest forever through the order of Melchizedek. But in verse 3, he is the radiance of his glory. He's the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his mouth. Look for it here. When he made purifications of sin. So what did the high priest do? The high priest's job was to sacrifice and make purification for sin. The author is pointing right here to the very fact that Jesus is priest. And then the final office is king, that he is also appointed to as king in verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory, exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become a much better than the angels, he has inherited a more excellent name than he. Verse 8 tells us, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his king. And so we see that the author has pointed out in chapter 1, he is a better prophet. He's a better messenger. He's the better priest. And he is, he is the king. And so now, here's what you have is pay close attention to the very fact that yes, you've held angels in high accord, that angels were messengers of God. They were doing the work of God. They were servants of God. But Jesus is my son. He will be the ruler. And when you look at verse 13, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? This all is pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. That one day Jesus will return. He hasn't done this yet, but one day he will return. He will set up his kingdom on earth and he will rule this, this kingdom and all of his enemies will be under his feet. And so this is a direct time of pointing to when Jesus will return. It's so exciting to pull all of this apart and see uh, how we're putting this foundation down in the book of Hebrews of why as believers, we should be paying much closer attention to the message that Jesus is about to bring us. What are the truths that he has brought us? Why should we be paying attention to all of this? Folks, so glad you're listening to this because you know what this is? You know what we're covering here in the book of Hebrews? This is solid food for the mature. This is food that will grow us and help us to come uh, into better relationship with Jesus. This is beyond the elementary principles of the scriptures. And I'm so looking forward to as we keep digging into the scriptures to see what we can learn about Jesus. So the challenge for you is, are you paying close attention to the word of God? Are you knowing that Jesus is the one who has brought the truth, that Jesus is the one who has enacted the new covenant through the sacrifice on the cross? Are you looking forward to what God is going to do when he sets up his kingdom through Jesus Christ, when he reigns on earth again and he deals with sin and he gets rid of it and he brings righteousness and right standing before him? 
I can't wait to keep digging into Hebrews. I can't wait to look at why we're told to pay close attention to Jesus and not neglect the salvation that comes before us. That when we look at the very truths of when Jesus humbled himself and he left heaven and he became man, all of these things we're going to cover in our next uh, podcast in a few short weeks. Thank you for tuning in with us. As always, if there's any questions, any comments, any concerns, please feel free to email us at info at preceptministries.ca. I pray that God has uh, shown you today through our study the difference between angels and Jesus and why Jesus is better than angels and why we need to pay attention to what he has to say. Father, we thank you again in your name. We thank you that you have a greater name than the angels. We thank you that you have a greater position than the angels. We thank you for the message that you brought of repentance, of coming to a true saving faith through you. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that your shed blood has wiped away sin as far as the east is to the west. Father, we thank you for the meat of the word coming through the book of Hebrews. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to go through, that you would give us a better understanding of what you want us to know. Help us to apply these truths that we've learned today. In Jesus' name, amen.